Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. By the neighborhood, and uh, two days ago I was very eager to play this song, and um, for some reason uh, I, I can't remember why I was so eager to play it. But you know, for those of you that are indie rock fans, you're welcome. You are welcome. All right. Um, in terms of our listenership, the listeners that I am proudest of are the ones that are listening to us in prison. And I mean that. Uh, one, because the folks that are listening in prison, I found people that have been to prison so much more interesting than the people that have not been to prison. Doesn't mean they're better people or worse. It means that uh, they're more interesting. You find someone at a cocktail party that says they have been to prison for a year, for five years, for 10 years, you plant yourself next to that person. Because that is the most interesting person you're going to run into at that party. Uh, But also because, um, you know, unlike um, a lot of people that can go online and watch whatever they want on YouTube, listen to any style podcast they can, radio is a very big medium in prison. And by the way, I love hearing from our listeners that are currently incarcerated. So if you want to email me, uh, whether you're in a city jail at like Rikers, a state prison, or a federal prison, email me. You could put me, request me through core links if you're in the federal system or whatever the state equivalent is, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. But it's, to me, so much more interesting when someone who doesn't come from a criminal background ends up in prison. I've done a series of interviews with attorneys who found themselves getting jammed up and ended up in prison. Sometimes they believe they've gotten screwed. Sometimes they've made some mistakes. Sometimes they've made some mistakes and gotten screwed. So we've talked with John Kufos, Paul Manafort, Frank Angemi, Dom Crispino, Richard Luthman, Andrew McKenna, and others. And uh, that's why I was really eager to read the book On the Count, A Traveler's Guide to Prison. I have to tell you, This book is not only a uh, wonderful guide to preparing for federal, state, or local prison, 
uh, but it, it is actually pretty humorous. Its author is Anonymous, and he's kind enough to join us now. Anonymous, how are you? Uh, good morning, Frank. A pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I uh, and you. Will, th- we are actually disguising your voice now. So if anyone tries okay. to do the voice recognition with you, they'll be they'll be disappointed, and you will remain anonymous. Now, um, explain to folks if you're to the extent that you're willing. How uh, did you end up in prison? Well, I practiced law, and well, that's uh, not a crime. Unfo- well, no, it, well, to some people it might be, but I, it, I, I practiced law and uh, for quite some time and unfortunately met clients who were uh, involved in situations or did things that were, quite frankly, illegal. And in many instances, I helped them legally to do what needed to be done. And unfortunately, uh, and I remember the day, when I did something with respect to checks and helped them out, but uh, I broke the law. I certainly did. And, uh, and, and it just went down a very slippery slope from there. And um, it, it got to a point where I was very unhappy with myself for what I did, and I turned myself in. And uh, how long did you end up uh, serving behind bars? The, the total time for everything, approximately eight years. Okay, that's some uh, a real stretch of time. Um, it was, yes, it was. Um, federal, state. Well, both. I uh, well, first of all, I spent time in Rikers Island. Then I spent time in the federal system, and then spent time in the state system, and then was eventually released. Gotcha. Okay, um, you write in the book that, according to the statistics, and this may be jarring to some people that it's possible that almost a third of Americans have been arrested and that a large percentage of those have served time in local, state, or federal prison. Now, I think a lot of people realize that we've we've got still, even after criminal justice reform, more people incarcerated than any country, um, you know, on the planet. But a third, really? It's it's frightening. And what's what's more interesting is they will be, and I don't say they may be, they will be your next door neighbor. They will be someone you work with. They will some be with someone at a cocktail party, as you mentioned. And I, I will guarantee you, because I've experienced it, you will encounter people during the course of your day that have been incarcerated. And we're not talking about people that are axe murderers, rapists, molesters. That's a different uh, uh, subject matter. We're talking about normal day-to-day citizens who, for whatever reasons, whether it be drugs, a bar fight, uh, some strange situation. Right. Dr- driving with a suspended license, you know, that's a big yeah. one. I met someone, if I could give you a brief example. He's out to dinner with his wife. This is the type of person that you would want to be your friend. If he sees a don't walk sign, he's waiting for the sign to say walk. So he's at the bar. uh, He's at a restaurant with his wife. There's a bar attached to the restaurant. They're having a drink before they're they're, uh, assigned to a table. And somebody bumps into his wife. And the wife turns around. The husband said nothing. He didn't even see it. And this guy starts cursing out, disparaged the wife. Words are ensued then. The husband goes to deflect a punch to him. 
hits the guy, the guy falls down, hurts himself terribly, and the guy gets sentenced, uh, sent to jail. Oh, boy. Oh, I, I hate that. That's I mean, just one example. That's the kind of thing that you put in a movie that and nobody ever thinks actually happens nobody, in real life. why a lot of people will say, oh, that'll never happen to me. Those people, they throw away the key, you know, give them the electric chair, and I'm, I'm exaggerating. But that's why you can never say never, because it can happen. It does happen. And quite often than not, it will happen. Yeah, uh, that is precisely why I uh, enjoy talking to folks that have been in prison, especially folks that uh, aren't considered, you know, your typical, you don't meet the typical profile for having a criminal history because I feel like everyone is so quick to take the approach, oh, lock them up, throw away the key. Uh, We don't care if they're mistreated. We don't care what happens to them that's bad until it's them or someone they know. And at the rate we're going, eventually it will be them or someone they know. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So tell me about your decision to write this book on the count. You could have written any number of books about the criminal justice system or your experience with it. Why write a traveler's guide to prison? Well, the, the title is humorous because I encountered people in the course of my incarceration who were in who had been to numerous prisons, federal, state, local. And they talk about it. And most of these which is where the titles derive from, were people that were serving long periods of time, okay? I remember telling someone, you know, oh, how long are you going to be? Oh, about eight years. The guy spit on the ground and said, by the time my spit hits the ground, you'll be home. That's because that's how long he was going to be incarcerated. Um, So the book was written, well, the, the title, because they talk about prison like, oh, I'd like to go to this prison. They have better food. The commissary's better over here. They're talking about it like it's if it's a hotel, the, the mobile travel guide or folders. And, and that's where the title came from. And I'm, I, some of these people were not talking, some of these people were nefarious. So, you know, they would talk about it. I was like, I just can't believe they're having these conversations. And I'm listening, and I would just – and all I did most of the time was just listen to people. They wanted to talk to people. They wanted someone to listen to them. And it wasn't about saying, oh, I'm innocent. I didn't do this. Or They just wanted somebody to talk to. But then when it got into these, the course of where they're going, where they want to go, if they could get transferred. So that's how the title came about. And I could have written about incarceration in various forms. But then I said, you know what? I'm going to write about what really happens. I'm tired of watching these TV shows, tired of seeing these movies, and I'm tired about people talking about prison and have no clue. You address – go ahead. That's what I did. You you address in the book um, why you chose to write this name, uh, write this book under a pseudonym. Why not just write it under your real name? Uh, Because of my family, my friends people that respect me, people who I respect. And I thought it was better for everyone's purposes to just put it out there. Um, and and it wasn't to make money and to make a million dollars off of this and, and something like that. It was just to get it off my chest, um, but also maybe to help someone who is going to prison or who has a different, like you said, you know, uh, uh, throw away the key, lock them up. It's not that way. Not in this country. 
and they real people really need to know about what goes on, and that dialogue doesn't exist. Yes, there's people that you have to throw away the key, you know, and 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 really lock them up, but you know the majority of people that are in prison, believe it or not, are not bad. And I say that, and I'm sure people will cringe. Are not bad people. They're not murderers. They're not rapists. They're not molesters. They're like you said, driving with a suspended license. And 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 those are people that that should read something like this. Um, there are consultants that are paid thousands and thousands of dollars to tell people what to do. They train them how to fight and how to give away your commissary money. I never had those problems. So half of the people that are taking that money and half of the people that give the money should realize, you know what? It's not like that. It's not what there's no cells in most of prisons. They're dormitory settings. They're not, you know, you may have a cell when you're first arrested, but but the reality is if you don't if you're not a murderer or rape I refer to these people. That's not going to happen to you. If you keep your 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 uh, wits about you and you know how to respect everyone, you'll you'll get through it. You'll be fine. You spend – what's the biggest mistake that most people make in terms of w- when they go to prison? What's something if uh, I'm going to prison for the first time as an inmate, you'd tell me, don't believe this, Frank. It's not like in the movies. It's like this. What, what's the biggest misconception? The biggest misconception is that you're going to get raped, that you're going to get extorted, that you're going to have a fight in two minutes. Most of the time, if things – bad happened to you, you caused it. I'm not saying you should be a church mouse, but you don't have to conduct yourself in a way that opens you up, just like you would do in normal normal life. If you're in a bar or you're in a restaurant and you bang into someone, you say, excuse me. You don't start cursing the person out. Well, that's the same thing in prison. You treat everybody with respect, and the same happens to you. Not to say there aren't people looking for trouble. You know, and then if you 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 don't brag. So, for example, you go to the commissary, you don't come back with I'm exaggerating a thousand dollars worth of food and and that's it. You get commissary. You share it with somebody. There are a lot of people that don't have a penny. They really they really don't. And and it's because they could be professionals, but their family abandoned them. They didn't want anything to do with them. Give them a meal. You know, give him give him a sandwich, whatever you're buying from the commissary. Do something like that. That's not extortion, but you, you got to be careful because that then you could be taken advantage of. So you got to really be cautious and keep your eyes open. You do spend a little bit of time in the book uh, talking about the food in the state prison system. What can people expect in terms of the cuisine in the state prison system? Well, the cuisine leaves something to be desired. It's not bad. It's like fast food food. Um, I will tell you that in general, they're very hygienic. I don't know how they were years ago. Uh, But uh, now Rikers is a different story. I don't know why it's just so messed up there. They can't get it right. But it's dirty. It's filthy, you know. Um, But the state system is clean. The food is tasteful. You know, it's, it's really not bad. You get used to it. But it's no – listen, hospital food, is, it's on par at times. You know, uh, The federal system is a little better, um, and, and the people that work in, in, the, in the kitchens take pride in their work, including the cooks that work for the system. 
and then the inmates. They they want the job because they could eat better by having an extra portion or something. Oh. Uh, so they keep it clean. They do keep it to an extent clean. We're talking with uh, Anonymous. He's the author of the book On the Count, A Traveler's Guide to Prison. And uh, you write in the book that uh, radio is a big part of the prison experience, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Before your show, one of the shows I would listen to was on another channel, which a lot of uh, inmates would listen to. And, uh, you know, would listen to anything, even during the day, would listen to any program they could. Because, you know, you go in the TV room, they show one channel, and then there's, and that's where arguments take place. If you want to talk about arguments, all you got to do is try to change the channel. And then you're doomed. So what you do is you have a radio, you listen to talk shows, you listen to whatever you can get. You know, some people listen to music. I always enjoyed listening to the news, talk shows, things like that. Not a big music fan. Uh, in my car, in, in prison, I would listen to the news. And uh, that's important because you have to keep in touch with what's going on in the real world because you are going to eventually be once again in the real world. One of the things that I found uh, with other lawyers that I know that have gone to prison is that because they had a lot of legal knowledge, they were very much in demand as um, uh, conversation mates with all of the other people in prison. Folks would often ask them for help working on their appeal. They would ask their opinion of different uh, different aspects of their case. Given your legal knowledge and your legal background, did you find a lot of the people that you were incarcerated with, whether it was on a city level, a state level, or a federal level, were would try to tap into your legal knowledge? Well, they would ask. Well, first of all, I'll say lawyers are respected in prison. Just uh, probably more so than in the real world. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise um, That would not surprise me. Absolutely. And, of course, many of the people I encountered were, quote, innocent, you know. Um, but the majority of those that I encountered that said they were innocent had very long sentences. And that was that was one thing. The other people I, I saw, you know, admitted, yeah, I did this. You know, I'm a doctor. I took from Medicare. I took from this. Uh, lawyers, the same thing. Dentists, a lot of dentists. I met a lot of dentists. That was weird. Um, but, you know, those people would come to you and talk to you. I did not give legal advice. I didn't do criminal law, so I thought it would be more dangerous if I did. And I told, you know, to, I, I wouldn't know how to help them. It's like, a, you know, a, a, a dentist doing brain surgery. You, you can't do it. It's dangerous. And I would tell people that, listen, I don't know. And if you try to tell them that you know, then you're going to get sucked into helping them, and it's not fair to them. What the, I didn't want to do that. And first of all, oh, they watched me. If you had a piece of paper that was not yours or someone's rap sheet or someone's document or the name of something, then you would get in trouble. And I never did, because, and they respected that. I was upfront with them. I said, no, nah, we could talk, and they would sit, and I would talk and have conversations with them, and, and then they would be on their way. And I earned that respect because that's how I gave respect to them. But I was very honest with them in what I would not do. One of the things that um, I found interesting was a segment we did a couple of months ago about uh, finding your prison bid. And there had been an article where it talked about the importance of finding a bid or something to do to occupy your time in prison. And the article basically said that if you don't find something to occupy your time, whatever it is, uh, whether it's reading, whether it's, um, you know, writing, whether it's uh, playing baseball, weightlifting, whatever, 
then mm-hmm. you're going to essentially go crazy. And a lot of people ended up calling in, sharing their own experiences in prison with what they did at the time. What did you spend most of your time doing when you were incarcerated? Um, talking to people. I was not allowed to help anyone. They, As I said, they watched me. Uh, so I didn't do anything to that, uh, you know, with that sort. Um, I did a little work in the kitchen, but they had me in the office. I didn't cook. So I worked in the office. I did some clerical work, things like that. Um, and, and then I said, you know what? I'm going to put it on paper. So I sat and I wrote and I wrote. I made a daily log, a daily diary of everything went on, that went on, the good and the bad, the real and the real. And, and then eventually it, it went into book form, you know, and I could have probably written a major, major book and just put everything, the whole diary. But I thought that would be boring because you can't read eight years of, of life. It's just not going to happen, you know. Uh, so I wrote something that was succinct. And I interspersed, as you mentioned, with humor, because there is there are some funny things that happen. And 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 that's it. What advice would you give someone who has a friend or a family member that's going to prison? I I know a lot of the uh, advice in this book is geared towards the inmate or future inmate themselves. What would you Mm -hmm. tell to someone whose brother, cousin, neighbor, friend, uh, uncle is heading to prison? Well, they do say, and it's true, that your friends, your relatives, your, your, your family do the time with you. And even if they want nothing to do with you, they're still doing the time with you because they've chosen not to do anything with you. And I know I knew people that their families just completely abandoned them. Um, and, and that happened. I actually met someone whose brother abandoned him. And the brother wound up being in the same prison with him on an unrelated, you know, charge. And that was the guy that didn't want to talk to his own brother. See, it's karma. As you say, uh, karma counts for a lot in uh, in the criminal justice system and uh, and elsewhere. That's uh, that's wild. Um, mm-hmm. It's very interesting to, um, you know, you dedicate the book to, in part, your wife. I know a lot mm-hmm. of folks that end up going to prison and their wives, their husbands leave them uh, because Mm -hmm. of the logistical difficulty of being married to someone in prison and because they're embarrassed or upset or financial reasons. Your wife stayed with you while you were in prison? She did. She did. She certainly did. Very supportive. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Very supportive. That that is – that's that's absolutely terrific. Hey, yeah. given your experiences, uh, what would you recommend in terms of changes that can be made to the rehabilitation system so it's not, as you characterize it, a revolving door that has people coming in and out for a different set of crimes every, every few years? Mm-hmm. Well, there are a lot of problems. First of all, the mental health treatment in prison is horrendous. It's not the fault necessarily of the individual professionals that are providing treatment. They just don't have the ability to have these long-term encounters. So, for example, there might be a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a social worker that meets with somebody, develops a relationship, and then that person either retires or is transferred or the inmate is transferred um, so that that bond is broken. And then that person goes on to the next one. And then they start to feel helpless. And then they're released. And the same thing happens on the outside. 
where they just don't have that that constant monitoring. And then they can't get a job because no one wants to hire them. And it just thought, well, what else are they going to do? I mean, I met people that had to steal because they were starving. And I'm not saying this because you have to feel bad. The system is really, truly broken, including what's going on with, with, with the no bail. You know, um, that has to be reworked. You have a revolving door. The judges don't have the authority to do things that they used to be able to. The prosecutors feel helpless because there's nothing they can do. The cops feel helpless because there's nothing they can do. And then you have these guys that are out the same day, and it just festers, and it gets worse as time goes on with those individuals. We're not talking about, the again, the rapists, the murderers, the, the molesters. But they're not going to stop. It's going to happen over and over again. Overall, how would you characterize the interactions that you had with correction officers while you were incarcerated? The majority of them are wonderful, hardworking family people. However, they have a problem, too, because, number one, if they're too nice to the inmates, then the bad correction officers get on their case. And they start abusing them. And I've, I've seen that happen uh, where, you know, if, if, if you don't, I'm, and I'm, I am telling you, if you don't beat up somebody, then you're going to, there are correction officers that are bullies on other correction officers. So that fosters a system of you got to treat each inmate like they're garbage um, because the nice correction officer gets in trouble, doesn't get promoted, gets transferred. Um, and, and that's notorious. Uh, but my interaction is if you're good with the CO and you're respectful with them and to them, they'll be nice to you and they just don't bother you. But then there are other CEOs that are just looking for trouble, which I encountered, not personally, but I've witnessed CEOs just being nasty, rude, disgusting. They were drinkers. In the book, I wrote about one that was drunk mm. and actually drove into the front gate of the facility and destroyed the uh, and destroyed the front gate absolutely amazing work Uh, as he was going to work you spent a lot of time talking about how your view of prison was shaped by your experience briefly um because we're just about out of time but i hope you'll come back Mm -hmm. um tell me how your your experience changed your view of wall street and what goes on on wall street well wall street and I guess that's why I should also remain anonymous, is probably the biggest con job going on today. They talk about people's 401s. They talk about the stock market. These numbers are so inflated, and the people that work there know it. Now, most of them are legitimate, but the system itself, again, just like other entities, fosters that money-making greed. And there were a lot of people that I did meet that were from Wall Street, um, but it, it's it's it, it, I don't know how to fix that. I have no, I have absolutely Understood. no suggestions. That's a mess. That really is. All right, um, anonymous. It has been a treat. We'll do this again soon. Please, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And, and uh, 
If, pe- if yes. people want to get the book, it's called On the Count, A Traveler's Guide to Prison. It's available uh, and uh, in paperback, 13 bucks. It's a bargain. Or you can get it, the digital version, if you have a Kindle. So it's a terrific book. On Amazon. On the Count. You can get it on Amazon.com. All right. Uh, if you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, give me a call, 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. 